Hello and thanks for listening to RT Radio 1's The Rolling Wave podcast with me, Aoife Nick In this episode, I'll be talking to five composers who recently took part in our Free Shift project, where 10 musicians were commissioned to write a tune for the programme. And this project was also supported by the Irish Traditional Music Archive. Our first musician is Breed Harper, who's a distinguished fiddle player from County Donegal. She began playing music as a child and within a few years she'd won many awards and uh, she cleared the boards in 1988, winning the All-Ireland Fla, the Fiddler of Dooney and the Arachtas. She took a little break from music for a few years while raising her family before going back to do an MA in music performance at the Irish World Academy of Music and Dance at the University of Limerick. She recently released an album with the band Uinia, which features a number of her compositions, and she's also a member of the all-woman, all-star Donegal fiddle group She Fiddlers. She's written two tunes for The Rolling Wave, and she's going to introduce them for us now. Well, the first one is a reel, and um, I was actually in Glen Column Kill uh, when I wrote this tune. Uh, it's one of my favourite places in southwest Donegal. I'd gone off there on a break and um, I have another project that I'm working on where I'm trying to write some music. So I thought that would be a good place to start for this um, project of yours. So I was just walking along the Merlin River there in Glen one day and um, I'm actually a fan of especially fast flowing rivers because I love the sound. And uh, so on this particular day, it wasn't very fast flowing, but I could um, hear sort of like a story or whatever coming from the sounds in the river and just the, the little bends and the twists in it and the birds singing and all the, the the wind coming through the trees that are around that area. It was just, you know, I felt so at ease and um, and just, I suppose that's the story the, the river told on the day, on that particular day. So I've called the tune Frishiv. <laughs> And the second one then is a barn dance. The second one is a barn dance. Yes, I suppose I wanted to write something that um, had a little bit of Donegal in it as well. Being, you know, that's one of the most popular types of tunes in Donegal, you know, compared to other parts of the of Ireland. And um, this tune I wrote um, and barn dances tend to be happy tunes and they're in major keys and so forth. So this tune I wrote for um, all the people um, that have, um, I know this is on a sadder note, but uh, that have died uh, in the last, say, just the last 18 months or during COVID. And uh, they'd be, I'm thinking in particular of the listeners that we would have had, you know, for her sessions and gigs in the area, in the Dungannon area where I live now. And those people are no longer with us, but they would have been great supporters and great listeners all down through the years. And they'd actually, you know, voice their opinions on your performance or when you'd be playing a tune in the pub or whatever. So to me, they're a big part of what music is all about. And so it's a tribute to them and for all the happy times that we had together. So I just call it Enomos, Enomos Donna History. I gathered that you didn't choose the fiddle for yourself. Is that right? That the fiddle was sort of landed on you? I got a fiddle from Santa Claus. So, and I happened so happened to like the fiddle when I got it. So yeah, that was a stroke of luck, and I love the sound of the fiddle. I love the sound. I've always loved the sound of it. So it's probably still my favourite instrument. And the next one to that, I suppose, would be the concert flute. Uh, yeah, there's just something about the the wood, or in it, you know, and the sound that comes from it. And then it's got, you know, you can go from the very low G right up the neck of the fiddle you know to get the much higher notes and um, 
Uh, I suppose for me, the best instrument of all is the voice. I love listening to singing and singers. And uh, the fiddle comes pretty close to matching up to what a singer can do. And your grandfather, I think, was a fiddle player. Is that right? Yes, my grandfather on my father's side. And then my uncle on my mother's side is also a fiddle player, fine fiddle player, uh, Frank Kelly. Frank Kelly, yeah. yeah. So he, I grew up, I suppose, listening to a lot of music in the sessions at home and listening to records and tapes of John Doherty and Tommy Peoples. And then the music that my Uncle Frank played and some of the local musicians that here, that would have been more Sligo style based. So I had, you know, this hybrid going on. And um, I think that kind of is what's reflected in my style today. And did you, am I right in thinking that you actually met John Doherty as well? I can't let you go without asking you that. <laughs> I did. I was very young at the time. Yeah. And uh, my father brought me up to meet him. He was living in Stranorla at the time. Oh. Yeah. And um, and it was great because I had been listening to these recordings and uh, he played a few tunes in the kitchen that evening. But the, the thing that struck me about him too, even when I was, I think I was 11 at the time, 10 or 11 when I met him. The thing that struck me most about him was his voice, the musical voice he had. And I didn't hear him sing at the time, but I later heard a recording of him singing. And uh, and but just the, I used to love how clear his notes were. And I remember even being a youngster and trying to, you know, play as clearly as possible whenever I'd be practicing. You know, I actually used to practice out in um, a porch that we had built on at the front of our house at home. And the acoustics in it were great. It was so <laughs> like a bathroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it was it was so funny, you know, because uh, the neighbours would be going up and down the road in their tractors or whatever. And then, they, you know, and I was out practicing in the porch. So this was my like acoustics, real acoustic space. And uh, and there I could hear where the couldn't really hear in the kitchen at home or another room in the home. But when I was out in this porch part, I could actually hear then what notes I needed to work on or how I would need to bow to, in order to get it to a better sound. Yeah. Um, it's interesting with Donegal because obviously we hear an awful lot about the male fiddle players in Donegal and the great tradition of fiddle playing mm-hmm. and so many uh, fantastic musicians. But when you were growing up, did you were there any women fiddle players or did you know any? There were a few, not so many, but I remember Martin McGinley's mother, Kathleen McGinley, and that was East Donegal as well. So that was Rafoe area. There was also another woman from the Stranorla area who didn't play, I suppose, much again when she was rearing her family, but she played in later years, Nora Gallagher. And then Maria Mooney would have been on the scene when we were growing up and when we've gone to sessions in Guidor and Clahanili. And she was like the younger fiddle player. And um, <laughs> so we were, that was cool. And then um, there was another woman. Now, I'm not sure she would have played in parts of Donegal at the Cayleys, but I think she came from West Tyrone. West Tyrone. She was Kathleen McMenamin. So there were a few women. And then there was an older woman as well who played at the sessions in Letterkenny called Jenny Doherty. She used to stand up when she was playing. She had her hair up in a bun and she used to be so graceful, but she would have always played the most beautiful airs. Yeah. So I love that hearing that too when I was a child. So there were a few, not as many as the men, but there were a few. Thank you. 
Breed Harper playing Fuishiv and In Omos Dunahish Jory. David Munnelly is an accordion player from County Mayo. He has a great interest in Irish traditional music from the 1920s and 30s, as well as all kinds of um, instrumental world and international music. And all of those influences find their way back into his compositions, of which there are many. He played for many years with his own band, the Dave Munnelly Band, as well as playing with Dedanan, the Chieftains, Neve Parsons and many others. I asked him about the idea for the tune he's written for the Rolling Wave, a tune which is called Day to Day. Well, I remember getting a call from yourself and I remember after that phone call, I was driving from Castlebar to where I was living at the time back in the home place in Belmullet and it's a long, windy, grey road. <laughs> and for some reason, after our chat, I started thinking about the, the idea of what it is to be, I suppose, a musician because I was thinking myself and me being a musician. But it could relate to a lot of people, a lot of different kind of art forms. But as a musician, what is it to, to live in these weird times? And what was coming back to me as, as I was driving was, well, sure, all you can do is live from day to day. You know, like that kind of, th- that kind of theme. And as, as, as the journey continued, as I got closer to, to Belmullet, just a series of notes kind of but what i didn't realize is i was listening to to bill evans the american composer um and i was kind of his music was kind of going on in the background and uh in a weird way i think his kind of especially some of his chord movements would have influenced what came out believe it or not like without overly thinking about it it's only afterwards i realized and and I was listening, driving and listening to this music and thinking about that idea of day to day. And and that's what came out, basically. And and by the time I got to my mother's, I sat down and played the tune and recorded it on my phone very quickly so I wouldn't forget it. And and that was it. And tell me about the tune. It's a slow tune. It is. It, it, well, it, it is. It, it, again, it inc- I, I wish to God I, I knew myself what it was. Like a... <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a series of notes that came out after a drive, after a conversation with yourself, after a drive from Castlebar to Belmullet, whilst listening to the Levens. Whatever soup the head made out of all that, that's what, it, what kind of came out, really. Hmm. When you go to write a tune, I mean, you mentioned the long drive and Bill Evans, which is the inspiration, or not even the inspiration, but the, the sort of landscape from which the tune we're going to hear in a minute came. But your own writing tunes, when did you start writing tunes? Or, you know, when did that come into your consciousness as a thing that you could do? I grew up in a house where I learnt music at home. So there was no, we didn't go to Willie Week down in Milltown Malibu. We didn't go to many flats. Like I, my grandmother lived at home with us. So I, I learnt music very organically at home. So kind of learning tunes anyway wasn't really a big deal like especially when you're up in your 14 15 years yeah like when i started learning music when i was seven and my grandmother like her, her teaching technique was quite unorthodox in the sense that she'd play the tune once a day for you and you had to listen to it and if you didn't hear it the first day well you won't hear it till tomorrow again so and she was bold about that like like she i remember she'd like most seven-year-old kids would be crying looking for sweets or for toys i was crying looking for the second part of a jig and, and I remember her saying to me, come back to me tomorrow now, I have no time today. And <laughs> but, in a, but in a weird way, what she was doing was kind of training your ears. And, and, and thank God she did. Their ears aren't bad at picking up stuff. And, and then as I got older, I remember being given a tape of Django Reinhardt when I was about 14. And I haven't been right since. I won't lie to you. It, it, 
it was some of the finest acoustic music I've ever heard in my life and, and so natural and I realised that oh surely what he's playing there isn't a tune at all and that's something he's making up what the melody was doing against the accompaniment was very important to me I could hear that what he's playing and then the fellow beside him this is a 14 year old kid looking at this this is how I kind of summed it up in my head so there's one fellow playing a melody and then there's another fellow banging away at a guitar beside him colouring this beautiful series of notes that he's putting together and later of course you find out that these series of notes he's putting together are just off the cuff like they're just improvisation and at a young age that that frightened the crap out of me because I realised up to now we have a format of notes called a tune and that's what we stick to and then you hear this stuff that's really it's not a tune it's something this crazy musician is just making up there and if he's asked to do that again tomorrow, it won't be the same. <laughs> you know? So I, I got into that at a young age. I started looking at, at, at how to improvise. And, and even using, I played the accordion, so using the other side of the instrument to be my guitar player. <laughs> if you get me. So I, I, you know, I was a one-man band and drum machine kind of approach. <laughs> so, so the whole idea of being able to play a melody and to accompany it was very important to me. And David, when you when you're thinking of tunes, then are you thinking of like I'll sit down and I'll, you know, write X Y Z, or do you just wait and see what comes to you, or what what do you do? What's your way of going about it? Well, normally like, you'd have a feeling or a mood in your head. Um, like for me, for a long time, I went through an awful lot of, of depression and anxiety, and through that would have come out a lot of very obscure sometimes melodies but they'd have come out without me overly thinking it or or the first or you know like a riff or a series of notes but the notes wouldn't just come out their own they come out with this coloring behind it so you'd hear not just a melody line but you'd hear a melody and accompaniment line that would later fuel you or drive you on to create the piece of music that would eventually come out but it might be like 20 seconds long of this or 10 seconds long of a riff but you'd hear colour behind it. So that's kind of when, that's when it comes to me, yeah. You're hearing the whole picture then. You're hearing the sort of the whole orchestra but almost in your head. You're hearing, the, you're hearing the whole orchestra, but just a little segment of it to give you a taster. Like it's like a, a, a trailer of a movie or like a, a little sampler. And then you go off and work and build on that sampler. I love the satisfaction of completing something that is oddly unique and uh, oddly on its own. I, I love descriptive music. I like music that doesn't follow a really format or, or doesn't really have a rule book. It's not in a club. It's a piece of music. No, there'll always be the passport element. I mean, I, I'm from Ireland. So you'll always have, I suppose, an element of that. You'll also have an element of the possibility of what the instrument allows you. But at the same time, you try to fight all that in a weird way to, to produce something that is maybe a bit indifferent.
David Munley with Shane McGowan playing David's tune Day to Day or Ulogolo. Fintan Vallely is a flute player who's been a well-known figure in Irish music for many, many years. He released his first album, Traditional Irish Flute Music, in 1979, and his most recent recording, Mary Jig Creek, which features many of his own tunes, was released in 2020. He's lectured and written extensively on traditional music, and he is the editor of the invaluable Companion to Irish Traditional Music, the third edition of which is in progress at the moment. Surprisingly enough, though, given all that, he didn't grow up in a house steeped in traditional music, as he explains now. There was no music as such in my family at all, in the Valley family, no music. My father sang, he sang songs all the time, a lot of songs, not traditional songs, but more popular, kind of maybe the, the 1798, those style of songs, Blue Vogue Boys of Oxford, all, he knew all those songs. My mother sang as well. But not strictly traditional stuff. But, if, but my mother had been a lot to Cayley's when she was younger, so some papers in County Derry. But I got, and I just started to play the whistle out of the blue. At Christmas, I was walking past a, a news agent in Armagh owned by Huey Trainer who had a Cayley band. And in the window was a, a card of Generation 10 whistles. And because it was Christmas, I had some money in my pocket. So I bought one for two, one and sixpence. And um, I just and, and taught myself to play it from a little chart. And that's, that's how I started playing music. And then I learned a couple of things by ear, just songs. And uh, at some point, my mother, we, we, we'd always ready wearing on in the house. And um, my mother heard maybe Kieran McElhinney's program. There was somebody playing, the, I think it was Feshty Conlon playing the whistle. And she said, that's somebody playing the whistle. I said, no, it couldn't be, but um, you couldn't do that in the whistle. But then, anyway, then she, she, my mother found out places that there was a folk club started in Armagh. So she brought me along to it and gradually just started learning things. Then my cousin Brian, almost at the same time, he happened to come across somebody playing pipes on the way over to boat over to Glasgow one time. And um, he, because he was painting pictures, selling pictures, he had money. He was in the city, he was older than me. He got instruments for us all. He got me, He got a flute and it came to me. So I started to learn the flute. I taught myself to play it. Malachy Comic from Tyrone, one of the, the Comic Brothers, they had a Kelly band. He showed me how to blow it, but that was as far as it got. So the rest I just picked up, learned. So that's how I started, just by accident. I found out afterwards then that my mother's father had a Kelly band and had played the fiddle back in Draperstown and Derry, and that his ancestors were the, the, the Carmichael Kelly, the harp maker back in. Uh, he made his own fiddle, my grandfather. But I never knew him as a fiddle player, he, he had stopped playing. The, the writing of tunes then, when did that start? I wouldn't say I'm a tune writer, but I mean, every, everybody has kind of uh, certain sounds or riffs or progresses of tunes or types of tunes that they like. And um, and, and out of, you might write 10 tunes, might be, none of them might be any good, but one of, them, one of them might be. The first thing I ever put together was, a, I was staying in a, an old house in Henrietta Street, opposite where the Hebrew Hill is now. There were kind of tumble down houses, four story houses that, um, Ours used to be owned by the Protestant bishops in Dublin. But um, we were, Unchin McKeown, the architect owned it, but he he was encouraging artists to take up studios there. So I got a room in the very top floor. At that time then, some of the people who were staying in the house, they were interested in John Coltrane. Somebody had a record player, and was John Coltrane was playing all the time. His improvisations on, I don't know, all kinds of simple pop tunes. Fabulous. So I started fiddling around with the musical priest. That tune that's on the Marriage Creek album, the uh, Gregorium Uproarium, I called it. It's just a, a playing around with the musical priest. That was done in 1977. So like, so I, I did bits of tunes from time to time after that, but never did anything with them. But I started doing um, Dermot Healy, the poet from Cavan, 
I wanted to do readings and he suggested maybe we, that I play while we do a thing interweaving of music and readings. So I thought that, well, he's reading original poetry. There's no point in me playing Christmas Eve or tunes that people know. Uh, so I just, well, I use my own tunes for that and I interspersed them with that. So we did that. And it, was, it worked. We did it all around the country and we did it in Scotland as well. So like, I, I just dabbled in tunes and some of them just happened. One of the, one of the, the very last tune on that album just happened but we're doing the thing with Dermot. I just started noodling at a couple of notes, and that, and that tune more or less took shape. And then it, it kind of developed over the next few times we did the thing. So there's a lot of spontaneity in them as well. I didn't actually ever sit down to write a tune to order until you, until you asked for this program. Uh, I had uh, never thought about it before. I was just going to say that because yeah, you had to sit down and write a tune uh, to order <laughs> for this one. How did you approach that then? Well. I'd realised over the years, especially from teaching music, that a lot of tunes, they all start off somewhere. Kieran Carson had the opinion that all Irish jigs and reels start with the start of the country down. Or it could be Connie Just Crutch and a Mo, which is maybe more accurate. Like an awful lot of things are based on that, an awful lot of songs. So I started off, I was doing, I'd, I got a residency in um, Verona and in, in, uh, the Blue Mountains in Australia. And it was like a whole two weeks in one place just to, so I worked on a tune and I developed this Slow Air, which is the very first tune on that album, it came out of the song Bill Doherty. You know, if you hear Bill Doherty, Bill Doherty is there in the background. It just worked, out. and then I turned it into a, a jig, and then I turned it into a reel. So I did a lot of work on that, and so I, one of the tunes done for this program is is a jig which I have on that recording, which I called um, Maisie Freels, kind of a memory of Maisie Freel of uh, Freels Pub in Milltown. But I, I worked that one back into a into a jig. I was kind of quite pleased with it. And then this, oh, while I was doing that, this other idea, the the other one that I call the um, cocoonery, that tune just emerged and where it came from. But um, it was obviously sounds that I liked. It was kind of that E-manner feel to the thing. But um, I, I, the idea of a cocoon, I felt it was a ridiculous thing anyway, because, I mean, if you stay in your house you'll and you don't do any exercise, you, you're going to die from something else. So I, I always made maintain that we, we shouldn't, I thought found a very patronising term was so people over seventy have got to cocoon. I thought it was ridiculous. I mean, how ages can you get? Um, how younger people can run around the place? Yes, but if you're older, you you not. So anyway, the cocoon was big in my mind at the time. So, I kind of satirising it. I'm not knocking the precautions for COVID. Of course, those things are all necessary. But um, so the cocoon was just during that period. It was at the end of it that you approached me with the doing the tune. So, it just seemed like an appropriate name. And the shadow. The shadow, yeah. Well. That refers to a, a chateau, an actual chateau, an old castle, which is also a, a vineyard as well. It's a friend of ours owns, and then we call in there every year, usually when we're in France. And then there's a 12th century church in a crypt right down the very bottom of the chateau. There's a good acoustic in it, so I, I would often sit down there playing tunes. So I just thought in honour of the chateau, call it the chateau. Vallely accompanied by Quivin Vallely on piano playing his tunes The Chateau and The Cocoonery. 
Well, to Donegal now via County Meath and to concertina player Kathleen McGowan. Kathleen grew up in a house full of music and dance. The tunes came from her father and the dancing from her mother. She's won many awards for her playing and as a dancer, she's performed all over the world as well. She has recorded a number of albums, including her debut solo album, Kathleen, and recordings with the group The High Seas and the Irish Concertina Ensemble. She's written many great tunes and the Rolling Wave is delighted to have two new jigs from her to add to this year's Fuishif. She told me when she first became aware of the idea of composition in traditional music. Well, I grew up learning all the old traditional tunes and, and for the vast majority of them, 90% of them, you wouldn't have known who, who wrote them because they were so old and they're just in the tradition like you know, the books and the Sally Gardens and the Wandering Minstrel, the tunes that are the core, the core tunes of the tradition. But at the same time, um, with my dad, been great friends with Vincent Broderick and he was, um, you know, his dad helped Vincent get his first book of tunes out, the Turu Stone. So I was, became aware of it that way. And like with Ed Reavy and Charlie Lennon and just over time getting to know the different people who were coming up with new tunes or just making them up. Um, it's hard to kind of say like a composer, but you know, cause sometimes you just feel like you're making up a tune, but I didn't um, really consciously think of it until I was a kid. And I remember really vividly, I was out in the garden and I'd had this tune going around in my head for a few weeks, but it was only the first part. And I couldn't think of what the second part went like, and I was, I think I was nine or 10 and I went into dad after a few weeks and said, what does the second part of this tune go like? Because I've, I've been singing the first part for a few weeks. And he said, I've never heard that before. And it was um, it just a little simple hornpipe. That, so I had just kind of uh, somehow this melody had come into my head over a few weeks and very simple little melody. So my dad helped me put a second part to it that day and that was the first tune that was first. so it, it wasn't anything that I kind of tried to sit down and do or anything it just happened and you know I, it gave me a great boost I couldn't believe that I could kind of come make up a tune so I kind of tried to keep going with it then over the years do you still have that first hornpipe I mean would you still play it oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, I called it, uh, we called it Fela Rena because um, Rena trainer, Rena Crossy, she's a concertina player from County Clare and she lived in County Mead and her and my dad um, would have taught all of those kids coming up, the O'Grady's, the O'Reilly's, um, my own siblings and they they had that, that tradition, they built that up in, in County Mead and my dad was great friends with Rena and she gave me my first few lessons on the concertina before she prematurely passed away when I was about um, nine or ten so there was a festival in her honour for a few years called Failerina so around that time I it was you know the, the hornpipe came about so we called it we called it Failerina after her but yeah we'd play we'd play it now and again now it doesn't get it doesn't get dug out too often. <laughs> and tell me Kathleen when you go to write a tune what's your process how do you go about it? Usually I try to clear my head if I can like it's you know life is busy with (laughs) between family like everyone same reasons family and work and you your head is always going and always full and busy so the first thing I I, you can't come up with anything new you can't create anything new without trying to get some clarity and clear out your head a little bit so 
where I'm living now up in Guidor and Donegal is brilliant because we're right beside the beach. So I try to take a few days and clear, go down, you know, I'd go for long walks, a few long walks a day and just try to empty my head and clear the head and leave the phone in the car and just bring a pen and a piece of paper in my pocket in case an idea might come. I remember hearing an interview with Imelda May. She was, uh, when she was 13, she was down visiting a, an uncle, I think, who was a monk and she was had headphones in and she was listening to music and he, and he said to her, how can you come up with your own music if you keep filling your head with everyone else's news and music? And it, it's, it stays with me because you have to let your mind settle and calm for any ideas or any creativity to come in. If it's constantly go, go, go and busy, which is kind of my default and natural just with general life busyness um it's hard for anything new or any new ideas to be let come into your head that way so I'm always you know whenever I do want to write a new tune or if someone has graciously asked me to write a tune then I that's kind of what I try to do is get down to the beach and clear the head and leave the phone in the car and just try to get a bit of headspace (laughs) And you've written two jigs for The Rolling Wave. Tell me about these tunes. Well, these are two little jigs. Um, I kind of call them little jigs because they're the types of jigs that remind me of jigs that are also songs. And they're my favourite types of jigs. I love jigs that are also songs like Tonkulachig Fogarton Lay or Nikana Von Vana. You know, those little almost like nursery rhyme songs that you learn in school but they're lovely jigs or slides or single jigs or slip jigs now these are they're kind of like single jig slides these two jigs that I wrote and the first one you you had asked me about about this and it took for a few weeks I was taking myself down to the beach and I was trying to clear the heads with a pen and paper and nothing great was coming at all and I was I was kind of getting, you know, a bit frustrated or a bit worried, but I was like, grand. But then what happened, a great uh, major family event in our house. My sister, Bernadette, had a baby and uh, she had a little boy there at the end of July called Oran. His name is Oran Pierce O'Flyne. And so the, the morning that Oran was born, I wrote this for the first jig. And so th- he definitely just gave me that that pep in my step, that bit of inspiration, that burst to come put a few notes together was really great happiness and um so I called the jig on Tusalo flying on which is for Oran O'Flying and then the second one came very easily after it so it's called Perth Oran so the two of them are for my new little nephew who's just a few months old Kathleen Nick Gowan playing her tunes on Thuisolo Flying, August Perth, 
Oh, Ryan. Our final composer tonight is Carl Hessian. Carl is a piano player and a composer who's written a huge body of work, including tunes, uh, orchestral work, music for the Moscow State Ballet, and many other works uh, featuring solo traditional instruments and orchestra. He has performed widely with a range of musicians, including his friend Frankie Gavin and the much-missed Joe Burke. He recently released a CD featuring 40 of his own tunes with musicians Emer Coughlin and Francis Cunningham. And he's written three reels for tonight's programme, which he'll play along with fiddle player Tara Breen in a few minutes. But first, he told me about his own background in music. Well, there was always a lot of music in my house because my father, Big Hessian, he played the pipes, whistle and fiddle. And he was, well, a fanatic, really. And his family was also very much involved in music. His sister was a person called Maggie Hessian, who was a well-known Shano singer, and she contributed most, well, the majority of the songs to the famous Arlby Shola collection, the Connor collection of various songs. So when my father moved to Galway, he was friends with, like, Tommy Cohn and Eddie Maloney and all that type of people, and the big thing I remember was every night listening to the old 78 records, and it was a great collection because he had, like, you know, all the 1920s stuff. And he even had um, 78s of Sean Maguire and people like that. So I got a big interest in there. And then the next big development really was uh, our house was in Salt Hill, which was kind of a posh area at the time. And we were playing trap music, so the people thought we were kind of from Cloud Nine, Cloud Cuckoo Land. <laughs> but as it turned out, he used to start have sessions in the house and every Saturday night, Joe Burke used to arrive, yeah. And Joe was very young at the time, probably 20s. And he wasn't taking a drink at the time. And my mother used to always make a black for him and um, a cup of tea. So every Saturday, Joe arrived. So then after a while, I got the confidence to kind of vamp a little bit. And I kind of got a little bit better as I went along. And then was the big breakthrough was... Um, he asked me to play with his trio, which was himself, Kathleen Collins and myself, and we won the All-Ireland in Boyle. I think it was about 17 or 18. What I remember at that time, by the way, was you had to be able to play the tune at the piano. Mm-hmm. Like, you couldn't vamp. It was, you know, so I remember distinctly playing Dowd's number nine in G minor, going into B flat. I remember <laughs> that. And then after that, I went uh, on the road with Joe. We travelled all over the place. But I was still... At that stage, I was starting college in Galway. I did a degree in history and economics in in UIG or UCG at the time. And I was playing nearly all trad music. Um, But then I moved a bit away for that. A friend of mine, sister, taught me the piano. So I started playing classical music. And then her brothers played in a jazz band. And I got involved in jazz at that stage. So then I was playing every type of music. And when I finished in... UCG at the time, I decided to go to UCC to study music. Professor Fleischmann was there was the professor there who was incredible, and in my last year I was really lucky that Mihola Sulawan came along to teach in UCC, and I got on very well with Mihol and actually he came put a lot of stuff my way over the years. Yeah, mm. so that's and then after that of course I've been teaching for thirty five years. And how does, say, the jazz in particular, how, how, what do you take from jazz and then and bring to traditional music? I suppose the chords and the rhythm. So I try, to, um, I try to add in something that might decorate the tune. And again, I suppose having a knowledge of 
chords and that type of thing, it definitely helps. And then the rhythm, like syncopation and layers, all that type of thing. Of course, I love to vamp, really, because, you know, I'd be always trying out things, you know, and see how they work. But as I said, I was very much involved in uh, some semi-classical, like people like Jacques Lucier and uh, Oscar Peterson. These were people who had a big influence on me. But I keep I keep trying anything I would play. I try to make it sound as good as I could, yeah. Um, what was your introduction to, to composition or when did you figure out that you could write tunes or that you liked writing tunes? Now, funnily, I didn't, I didn't really compose much music for a long time unless I had to. What really happened was when I was working with Frankie, that was about 10 years ago, uh, we said, God, we, we'd be lovely to write a fiddle concerto. And I started working on pieces and I started trying to write reels. And I wrote 14 reels and um, none of them were any good. They're all pretty useless, yeah? And funny, I'm back a year later to play them and they sounded even worse, yeah? <laughs> so what I did anyway was I set up this YouTube site and one aim I had for a long time was to uh, play my favourite reels on piano. So anything I really liked I recorded. I recorded 75 of them, actually. Yeah? And um, what I did then, I started to do an analysis of the tunes. In other words, like, how come that tune sounds, sounds so well? You know, how come the Dwyers write this? How come Paddy Fahey writes this? So I was at that type of thing, yeah? And uh, it was the analysis. It's, it's a look, the look at the draw, because sometimes you might come up with a good tune, other times you mightn't. But I think I have written a few OK ones now. Carl, when I asked you to write a tune for The Rolling Wave, I thought you might write a tune and play it on the piano. But in fact, you asked a fiddle player to join you. Um, why was that? Do you like playing along with somebody else or, or why did you want it played on another instrument? Well, I have a piano version of it, but uh, <clears throat> I was working with Tara Breen uh, quite a few times in the studio in Galway. And I found that any time I asked her to play something, she was brilliant. And then... When I come up with these new ones, I asked her to play it. Yeah, I could have played it on piano as well, but I think I could, it's better that I was doing a bit of vamping, I think. And so we're going to hear those in a second. Uh, Tara Breen playing fiddle and Carl Hessian on the piano. But Carl, first of all, tell me about these tunes that you've written for The Rolling Wave. I suppose the titles uh, mean a fair bit to me because uh, the first one was called The Bridge Mills. Now, these are areas in Galway, which, of course, I'm familiar because I've been here all my life. Um, the Bridge Mills is an area which is close to the Bish, the school where I went. I spent a lot of time in this area. The Jez, I spent 35 years there. And then in Nunsign, there's also the H-Dip campus there. And I thought, I was lecturer there for about 10 years. And then the third one is called University Road. And I spent a few years playing poker and struggling to get out of that place, yeah, which I did eventually, yeah. with Tara Breen on fiddle. 
Well, thanks for listening to the Rolling Wave podcast. For rights reasons, the music here is shorter than in the original broadcast. So if you'd like to hear the full versions of the tunes, you can go to rte.ie forward slash radio one and forward slash the rolling wave. And the full playlist of all 10 tunes was broadcast on the 3rd of April 2022. Till the next time, Gura Mila Mahagi, Agasla.